gracious and loving God, we bless you and thank you for gathering us here this morning. We recognize that it is your love, your mighty acts, your repeated intercession into our lives, into human history that has gathered us here this morning. We don't gather ourselves. We are gathered in response to you. Father, we recognize that we are your beloved daughters and sons, that you don't look at us and see our mistakes, our failures, our sin. You look at us and you see the delight of your life, the joy of your heart. You spin around us in celebration as your beloved children. We claim that through our brother and our Savior, Yeshua. And it's in his name that we pray this morning. Amen. Let's declare the Shema together. I have heard that in my absence we have grown up to the point to where we don't repeat it anymore. So we just declare it all together, which we'll be saying this first part in Hebrew and uh, then the part in English. If you don't know this, this is the primary declaration of our faith. It comes from Deuteronomy 6, and a little portion of it comes from Leviticus, uh, something Jesus would have said himself. And if you see people throwing a pinky up in the air, that is a sign of humility that we learn from our Jewish brothers and sisters. It reminds us there's more love in God's little finger than in all of my body. So let's declare this together. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Ahab. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. We're going to bring Stacy up for some announcements. Good morning, you guys. My name is Stacy Smith, and I am so happy that you chose to be here on this Sunday, this Sunday of new beginnings. There is so much new stuff on the horizon for us, including the start of school tomorrow. Um, I love the song that we started with today, Acquitted, because it's got that line of singing a new song. Um, when I was teaching, that was often what went through my head during those first days of school, is that this was a chance for me to sing a new song for this year to be different. I want to share with you a couple of announcements. One of them has to do with our music program for children and youth. Um, today is their kickoff day, so if you've got a kid that's um, kinder to fifth grade, Sunday Sounds begins uh, this afternoon at 5 o'clock. And then if you've got um, a youth type from 6th grade on up through 12th grade, um, New Zion is the music place for them. And I know that Nona Schwab would be so grateful for you to send your kiddos if they are interested in that today. The other thing I want to make you aware of is this little flyer that's on many of the chairs in this room. If one is near you, grab it, take a look at it, take it home with you. What this flyer is about is a reminder that we are a community that is digging into our Jewish roots, and we are spending time celebrating some of the feasts that Jesus himself would have celebrated. Coming up at the end of September is the Feast of Sukkot, and this is a time truly of spending a week hanging out, eating together, and just enjoying being together. We're going to have a lot of activities on campus during that week, and I'll just tell you the most exciting word for that week is food trucks. 
I'm so pumped about the possibilities of that week because of what we're bringing in this time. But this sheet of paper is really about preparing for Sukkot. If you don't know what the feast is about and you'd like to learn more, Daryl's going to teach a class at Paloma Blanca on September 14th and 21st. It's a Monday evening. There'll be appetizers. You can buy yourself a meal. You can even bring your uh, kids if they're school age. We're going to have a corresponding kid class at the same time at Paloma so they can learn about Sukkot as well. The other activity on here that helps us prepare for Sukkot is the building of the sukkah or the temporary shelter that we dwell in throughout the week. If you'd like to help us construct those, we're going to do that on Saturday the 26th of September. And we're going to do it right out here on the lawn. And even if you can't make it that day, we are in desperate need of roofing for our sukkah. And the roofing is simply palm branches or any other branches you might need to cut off those trees in your yard. You can bring it up here that week and we'll use it to assemble our sukkahs. Um, So I hope you'll take this with you and think about whether or not Sukkot is the feast for you to try out with us this year. I'm going to hand this off to Heather. She's got one more announcement for you. Hi, guys. Um, I just wanted to welcome any ladies who are looking for a group. We have what we call WAG, Women After God, every Wednesday at 915 over in the seminar room in the youth side. And it's welcome to women of all ages all stages of life, and it's just a really sweet time. We have worship and some teaching and fellowship, so we would love to see you there. And now we're going to take some time to pass the peace and say hello to our neighbors.
Let's sing this together. Blessed are the poorest ones. Blessed are the poorest ones for heaven comes to where they are in you. Blessed are the ones who mourn for comfort comes to find the morning in you. have the men sing that. Blessed are the poorest ones. Blessed are the poorest ones for heaven comes to where they are in you. In you. Blessed are the ones who mourn for comfort comes to find them all. In you. We raise one voice. So blessed are the ones who call your name, and blessed are the ones you save, for you bless the pure. Just to know 
teacher you just have that sense of oh my gosh there's a lot that's about to start there's a lot I have to prepare for and get ready and God uh, gave me a picture of those guys in the Highland games like those huge Scotsmen that are like super super tall and huge and manly and they hurl those giant timbers like an event like basically a tree that's been cut they get it and they see how far they can throw this thing across the field and it's like a huge thing in Scotland there's people in America who do it too so anyway I was like okay God cool image what is this but he he gave me um, the immediate sense of that's like your burden sometimes that's that mental that mental project or list or calendar that you take on it's like we have two options we can get a giant timber and put it on our shoulders or carry it around all the time or we can get this easy like a feather like the lightest easiest thing to carry in the world and so I felt like God wanted to release this morning um, 
that his burden is light and easy, that we always have the chance and the choice to choose that light burden, that whether we're a student or we're a teacher or we're maybe you're a lawyer and you don't have kids and you can't relate to this at all, but you think, I have a super ton of work to do this week and I'm going to be putting in some long hours, that God wants you to know that even if you have all of that, you can still choose to stay in this peaceful, light, and easy place. It doesn't change our circumstances, but it changes the way that we approach it and the burden that we feel on our shoulders. So just want to pray for us. God, we thank you so much that you are a God that can literally lift the world. You have so much strength and power, and so often we try to take it. We try to take the burden back on our shoulders instead of releasing it. We strive for your approval. We strive for um, approval from society, and we wear our busyness and our schedule as a badge of honor. And we just confess that to you, that that's not right. That's not good. That's not glorifying of you and all your powerful um, mercy and grace. So we just ask, Father, that whatever we have, whether it is um, the new school year, whether it's our workload, whether it's a hard relationship, we just want to turn over that huge tree of a burden. We want to take your easy, light, peaceful yoke. We pray against any worry. We pray against anxiety. We pray against striving. And we thank you that you are always calling us into more freedom, into more security, and that whether we have the the highest pressure job on the planet, we can still be calm in the center of the storm. That your peace can bring us back to that place of being centered and secure and knowing who we are in you. That you have it all under control. We thank you in your son's name. Amen.
Father, we thank you for this time of worship and praise that we get to, from our lips, proclaim your glory as your sons and your daughters. May those words not just be something that we sing, but who we are, that your praise is always on our lips. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. So tomorrow, for some of you who do not have children um, or whose kids are old, is one of your least favorite days of the year, I'm sure, because school zones go back into session. For the rest of us who have school-aged children, can we shout hallelujah and praise be to God that school starts tomorrow? Not that, no, <laughs> that's awesome. She's like, I'm not going. Um, so uh, we do this every year and we would like to uh, do it again. If you were a student of any kind from day school all the way up to postdoctorate nerds that are in here, um, I mean students that are in here, uh, if you would stand, we want to pray for you as you begin this new school year. Some of you have already started that, but if you would stand, please. Wow, much more studious group than 930. Uh, I, I always felt, felt that about you, um, but now we have con- confirmation. So uh, let's pray for them. If you would, just like if you're close to them and you know them, put a hand on them. If you don't, freak them out. Uh, just put a hand towards somebody. Father, we thank you and praise you for these, your children, your sons and daughters who em- are embarking on a new year of learning. We pray for these students that they would, uh, all distractions would be removed from them. And that they would be able to understand who you are calling them to be through this school year. Allow them to retain and hold on to all of the things that you have for them. We pray your protection on them in this new school year. That they would uh, be safe and secure whatever school, whatever station of life they are in. And that at the end of this year they would look back and see where you were every step of the way. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Students, sit down. Now, if you are a teacher or work at a school in any form or fashion, a coach, if you are, I don't know, you spray schools for bugs, maybe. Where are you? There, there, you're sitting up. Stand up if you're a teacher of any sort or an administrator, sorry, or a dean or whatever your title is back there. Um, all you fancy people, stand up uh, and let's pray for you. First of all, Thank you for taking our kids, um, because we don't want them anymore. Uh, So thank you for taking them from certain hours of the day. Then we'll take them back. But let's pray for them. Same thing. If you know them, put a hand on them. If you don't, just put a hand towards them. Father, we thank you and praise you for these, your servants, who have a calling to serve you by taking our kids, our students, whatever age they are, and by giving them wisdom. We thank you for all of the people, the teachers, the support staff, the leaders, everyone who is involved in our campuses, in our schools. We thank you for all that they do for our kids. We praise you for them. May they have a year that they look back on and see where you were every step of the way to. We thank you for these people and praise your holy name. Amen. Thank you. Now sit down. That's your day. You have one day a year. 
Um, okay, so uh, we have been doing this whole coloring competition, and I have to tell you, it's getting tight. People are really, that we're, we're closing in on the finish, and the competition is really mostly because of this row right here, elevated, huge. Um, they are taking it to the next level. However, um, one of you did not win this week. Uh, so it's awkward. Uh, Ali S. Is that you? Did you put a fake name? Because you also have another one in here. Man, I will tell you this. If you don't know, this is Daryl's niece. So there's, again, nepotism going on. This is Miss Shelley. Um, But she cut it out, which was great. Everybody else just left the blank white parts. But she, I mean, it's almost as if she wanted to frame it, but she didn't have a frame. So beautiful use. It was great. Um, Anne-Marie Burns, where are you? You were second because you actually colored the Red Sea red, which we appreciated. Um, Very good. So there you go. There's your koozie. Way to go. Alice, Shelley, very great stuff. Okay, uh, so you can get your, uh, your, your coloring sheet because, you know, the stakes are getting higher. You know, the koozies are only going to get better um, from this point forward on the competition winners. So we are continuing along our um, children's stories, and we're going to uh, one that we all know from a little song that you used to sing in Sunday school. I want to tell you the rest of the story about this guy, though. So there's a place in Israel on the Mediterranean Sea called Caesarea Maritime. Caesarea um, Palestine, it's known as. Caesarea. It's known as many names. It's like a rock star of places. But what this place is, is it's this amazingly beautiful place right on the sea. The water is just gorgeous. It's blue, beautiful water. The beaches are lovely. You know, the, the, the men are strong and the women good-looking type of place um, that you have here. Now, in this place, Caesarea, you have King Herod who comes in while he is under, uh, in control of things. And King Herod built palaces everywhere. He was a little bit manic about it. He was nervous and there were an escape path and things like that. But this one was a very strategic spot because it allowed access for ships and trading. But the problem was there wasn't a harbor there. So Herod being Herod, he built one. He sinks these amazingly large stones down deep, way deep into the water. They have no idea how he did this, how he builds this safe harbor for ships. But right there in the middle of this place, he builds this harbor where people are coming and going. The Roman ships come and go. um, And he builds this amazing palace, this huge theater, this large hippodrome, all of this stuff. It's just huge and amazing and beautiful. And, and now you walk through these wonderful streets. And if you're on a tour of Scott, he turns you away from the tourist stuff, but you may get a look. And I like, there's like these bars and grills, you know, and all these restaurants are like, Ooh, let's go eat there. No, we're going to have falafel by the bus. Oh, that's great. Um, so it's just an amazing place. Now, what you might not know about this place, because all what we focus on when we talk about Caesarea is Herod. After Herod, a few things happen. One of them is that this place becomes a chief spot for one of the fathers of our faith, for one of the Christian fathers. His name is Origen. And Origen wrote these amazing things and helped shape Christianity and helped move the church forward by some of his writings. One of the places that he wrote a lot from was here in Caesarea. This was his base camp for a long time. He was there and he generates all these amazing works out of. The bishop, the first bishop, church history tells us, of Caesarea, was a wee little man by the name of Zacchaeus. 
how did Zacchaeus get here? Who is this wee little man? I'm going to say that about 70 times because you just can't not say wee little man when you say Zacchaeus. But who is Zacchaeus? Luke 19 has the story. In Luke 19, verse 1, it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now in this story, you have a few things moving around, going on, as you always do in the biblical text. You have this wee little man, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. Let me explain what a chief tax collector is. He's the chief of all the tax collectors. Are we clear? Good. So a tax collector in this day and age was somebody who was not very well liked. In fact, they were despised. They were generally Jews who were collecting taxes from the people for the operation of the government, the oppressive Roman government. So here's Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector, but he's a chief tax collector. So he is in charge of all the little tax collectors underneath him. And the way the system worked was this. Tax collectors had the ability, or they were charged with collecting the taxes to make the government run. But they were given the freedom to basically charge whatever rate they wanted to. So if the government needed 10% to operate in your region, you could charge 15, 20, 30%, and whatever else you collected above that 10 was yours. So these guys used force. They were evil in how they collected taxes. They were hated. There were Jews just drilling other Jews for their hard-earned money. And so they would build their wealth based on your labor. Every tax collector would then give money up the chain to the chief tax collector. So not only was Zacchaeus, the tax collector in, in the region of Jericho, collecting taxes and, and padding his pockets and things like that from his people. He was also getting money from all the other regions and the other little tax collectors. He was loaded. He was probably a very, very wealthy man. Probably had this amazing house in town. Everyone knew that that was Zacchaeus' house. Everybody, everybody spit on it as they walked by because they knew that it was built on their hard labor. He was not a very well-liked man. And you can see the reaction when Jesus is going to be a guest at his home. They're like, oh, you're going to have, you're going to a notorious sinner's home. So here's Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector. And he's this guy who's just not well-liked by the people because he's a tax collector. Things haven't changed much, have they? But he is, he's this wee little man. 
And here's the thing. You have Jesus coming by. Now, Jesus is on his way from Galilee, and he's working his way down through the region. He's going through Jericho, and he's going to swing on over to Jerusalem. He's on his way to the triumphal entry. He's on his way to the cross. For three years, he's been doing his ministry, and his name has spread. People know who this rabbi is now. There's something about him. So Zacchaeus, when he hears he's coming through, is like, I've got to take a look at this guy. And he goes, and because he's a wee little man, he can't see over the crowd, and he gets up on the tree. And he sees, and here's the extraordinary thing. Jesus goes, Zacchaeus. Jesus doesn't know him. They've never come in contact before, and yet Jesus calls him by name. Zacchaeus, come down. I want to go hang out at your house for a little bit. I love, as an aside, by the way, that Jesus picks the richest man probably around in the nicest home. He's like, yeah, where do I want to rest? You have a nice house. I did that to a few people at 930 as they were leaving. I was like, hey, I'm coming over today to have dinner. Somebody goes, come on. I was like, I was joking, but now it's awkward because um, I really don't want to. Um, so, so I love it that Jesus is coming through town and he calls out to Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus comes down and he takes him into his house. And all the people are going, oh, I can't believe he's going to Zacchaeus' house. You know, that guy's a sinner. He shouldn't be cavorting with those people. And what does Zacchaeus do? Lord, I've given half of my possessions to the poor. And then, and then, if I've ever cheated anyone out of anything, if, I, if I've ever cheated them at taxes, which is everybody, I'm going to give them four times as much. Now, what's going on here is Zacchaeus, who is a Jew and grew up knowing the Scripture, knows what happens if you do something to someone. There's laws prescribed out to this. There's three different places in the Old Testament where God says, if you do this, if you injure this person in this way, repay them this. If you do this, do that. But it's not even close to what Zacchaeus is doing. It's a little bit. Zacchaeus is like, I know what the law says. We all know what the law says. I'm going way above that. Because something is different now. Because you knew my name. And you called me. So here's what happens next. Jesus leaves. Right? He, he goes on. He goes on to Jerusalem. He leaves. And Zacchaeus stays behind. A lot of times, what we see happen is when somebody encounters Jesus, they're like, oh my gosh, I want to follow you. And they go and follow him. We know about the disciples, but there's also like an entourage that followed Jesus of these people who were touched by him. These people who were just rocked in, their, in the core of who they were. They would go and they'd follow the rabbi so that they can learn more about who this guy Jesus is. But Zacchaeus stays. And I think there's something really significant about this. And it's something that the church, a lot of times, doesn't get. A lot of times when we have that Zacchaeus come out of the tree and they have that moment where they're like, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it, I'm in. We're like, awesome, come with us. Come be like us, come dress like us, come talk like us, come get in our little Christian circle and we're going to huddle and sing great songs. And what we've done is we've left a hole in Jericho. Because Zacchaeus, if he's not there, who's going to tell a story? Think about it this way. Zacchaeus is known by everybody. 
He has this encounter with Jesus. Some people hear about it. Some people don't. They don't know what he says to Jesus when he goes to their home. They just know that Jesus went to his home. The next day, Jesus and the disciples and the entourage move on. And Zacchaeus starts walking around town. Hey, remember the other day when I took the taxes from you? I took too much. Sorry about that. Here's your taxes back. And here's some more. When you see Zacchaeus coming, you go, oh, there's that Zacchaeus guy. You know, you start turning and go the other way, right? But and here comes this encounter with this guy, this little guy, and he's like, hey, remember the taxes I took from you? He's looking up at people, you know. Sorry about that. Sorry. Can you imagine what's happening in the city of Jericho at that moment? The chief tax collector, the guy who's just been drilling him, drilling him year and year and year. Have you seen Zacchaeus lately? Dude, he just gave me back all my taxes and then like four times more. Can you, what, what happened to him? Zacchaeus just continues walking along. Hey, sorry about that. Here you go. Things are going to be different now. Who is this guy that changed Zacchaeus' life? Can't you hear the people asking questions? What happened to you? In chapter 18 of Luke, he tells another story of somebody who's really rich, right? The rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to follow you. What must I do? And Jesus goes, do these things. Rich young ruler goes, nailed it. Got it done. Let's do this. And Jesus goes, oh yeah, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then follow me. Do you, do you remember what the rich young ruler does? Uh, well, um, look, look at the time. Uh, yeah, I uh, uh, just kind of walks away, right? It says he goes away sad because he had great wealth. Luke is the, is the gospel of, of lifting up the underdog. He's the gospel of pointing out the, the, the juxtaposition between those who have and those who don't. He's the gospel of pointing out that it, your money can control you, can be your God. And these two stories, back to back, are like this. He's like, this rich ruler says he wants to follow God, but his heart isn't in it. And he's not going to change because his true God is his wealth. This other rich young guy who has a lot of power, a great deal of power, and a great deal of money, understands that my life will be changed if I truly follow him. His God is our God. Imagine the story. Imagine the stories that go around their little communities. The rich young ruler, he did it in the public, and people heard, yeah, There's that guy that wouldn't follow Jesus because he's so rich, didn't want to give anything away. Here he comes again, Mr. Moneybags. And then in Jericho, you have Zacchaeus. My gosh. I can't believe anyone would make such a drastic change. Just yesterday, I saw him pushing a lady down to get taxes out of her. Who is this guy 
that causes such a phenomenal change in the life of Zacchaeus. The most important thing for me about this story is the fact that Zacchaeus stays. Is the fact that he stays and he continues to tell his story. So much so that eventually he becomes a leader in the church. And he becomes, obviously he becomes a pastor. And he becomes a leader. And he's appointed the first bishop of one of the big cities in that area. But it started with two things. With Jesus looking up, saying, Zacchaeus! And it was Zacchaeus telling a story. First time I went back um, to one of my, or the last time I went back to one of my um, college reunion things for my fraternity. It was a golf tournament they would always play, and, um, and I showed up, and people hadn't seen me in a while, and they're like, hey, Crocker, how's it going? Good, good. What are you doing these days? I'm a pastor. They're like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, seriously, what are you doing? I'm a pastor. There's no way I know you. I know the things that you did in college. I know that the way you treated pledges. I know the way you treated me. I know the stories. There's some legendary stories about how mean you were. No, I'm really kind of sorry about that. Um, I saw you do all those drugs. I saw you just so crazy and wild that we can't believe you are alive. Yeah, I know. Here's the thing. I was hanging out in this tree once. And I heard this guy by the name of Jesus go, Michael, come down. Let's go hang out. My testimony is pretty powerful. It's pretty amazing and cool um, for like me <laughs> and maybe my wife and children, some of my friends who aren't bored with it yet. But it's not as powerful as yours. It's not as powerful as your story for your family and for your friends and for the people who live in your Jericho. See, the fact of the matter is, Jesus is continually walking down, and he's looking for those of us that are hanging out in trees, and he wants to go, hey, come down. I want to hang out with you for a little bit. And when he does, and he moves on, and he heads off to the cross, we need to start walking around and telling our story. We need to start living our life as if it has changed, because it is if people only came to Jesus because they came into this room at 9.30 or 11 and happened to hear me or Daryl or whomever is teaching teach something, if that was the only option to get people into Jesus, then good Lord help us because it ain't going to happen. To bring the kingdom of God now, which is what we have been charged to do, which is what God said when Jesus left. He's like, all right, I'm going to be with dad. And by the way, it's your turn. Go into the world and bring people into an understanding of my love and grace. If we're going to enter into that work, then we need to get out of the tree and start telling our story. 
to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, to anyone who will listen. Hey, I used to be this way, but now here I am. God is continually calling us by name, and that's the amazing thing. There's no reason for him to know me. There's no reason for him to know you. And yet you're the very person that he's calling to be with him. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you continue to call. You continue to call our names. Say, come down. Let me spend time with you. Father, we pray that you would help us have the courage to answer that call. To come down out of our trees as distant observers. With you. We pray, Father, that as we understand more and more about what our story is, the role you play in it, we don't keep it to ourselves, but we move into this world proclaiming your glory. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.
blessing now. May the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. May he lift up your countenance and equip you. May he strengthen you with his right hand and let you see who you are, a beloved son and daughter of God. Go forth this week knowing that you are loved and you are free and that he's there every step of the way. If you need to go, you may. We're going to keep worshiping for a little bit, or we have our prayer team over by the crosses if you'd like prayer.